0: Hi everybody, welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined as always by my trusted colleague Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, unfortunately for the fifth Tuesday in a row, we are here to talk about a Packers loss. And honestly, this was uh, this was the most distressing one. Um, yeah. The Detroit Lions came in on a five-game losing streak. The Packers were on a four-game losing streak. And Green Bay's losing streak continues. 15 to 9 is the final score. And I guess if there's a way to sum up how this game epitomized how the last month or so of Packers football has gone, we sat here every week and talk about talked about missed opportunities that might have altered the course of the game. This one, it's missed opportunities that absolutely positively altered the outcome of the game because the Packers had plenty of chances to score enough points to win this one, and they simply didn't get it done.
1: There's a lot of times where we'll sit here, we'll talk for 22 and a half minutes, or whatever it ends up being, and, and then we just move about our day. Honestly, Marv from the back could punch the you know punch the, the, all the buttons on this thing. I could mention losing the turnover battle 3 to 1, going 0 for 4 in the red zone, 0 for 2 in goal to go. And we could call it a day. <laughs> I mean, that's ultimately what this came down to.
0: That was the game.
1: And, Mike, what was the biggest line that I reiterated? We both talked about it, but the biggest line I was pitching all last week is that they've done good things against the New York Giants. They've done good things against the New York Jets. They did good things in Washington. They did really good things late in Buffalo. But what you do in those games does not guarantee victory the following week. The strides you make in certain areas doesn't mean that those areas are going to hold up the following week. In this game, as you talked about with this five-game losing streak, this game epitomized all of that because Packers had 389 total yards of offense. They dominated time of possession. Third downs, they were six for eight in the first half. They did all the things well except finish. Yeah. And in some of these other games this year, the Packers have been not as good on third downs, and then they've been able to punch the ball into the end zone it's just that inconsistency and it's that line that Adam Stenovich said last Thursday that has kind of, he was talking just strictly about the offensive line, about the only thing that's been consistent is inconsistency. And unfortunately for the Packers, I think as a whole through the first nine games, that's been sort of the hallmark of this team.
0: Yeah. The statistic that kind of blows you away from this game is the fact that the Packers had eight possessions that ended in Lions territory on the plus side of the 50 the only one that didn't is when the Packers took a knee at the end of the yeah. first half when they didn't have enough time to do anything. The other eight times the Packers had the ball they crossed they were across midfield every single time and out of those eight possessions. They were only able to produce nine points that's it's all it's it's hard to fathom. Um, and we don't need to go over the chapter and verse of, you know, from the five yard line and interception and from the one yard line an interception and an interception right after the Packers defense got an interception. I mean, we all saw it. We all know what happened. There was another another failed fourth down, uh, um, you know, inside the 40 yard line of Detroit when the Packers couldn't convert so many so many chances and uh and to walk out of to walk out of Ford Field with a 15 to 9 loss and Aaron Rodgers said it after the game you can't lose a game like that to that team yeah um and uh and the the, pa- the packers couldn't packers couldn't lose that game but they did and uh and now they have to turn the page to two home games in a span of 5 days against a couple of teams that are right in the thick of the playoff hunt in their respective conferences, Dallas in the NFC and Tennessee in the AFC. Um, the, uh, in terms of the opponents you're facing, the gauntlet of the schedule is coming up now and the Packers are still searching for that victory that maybe just maybe one win could start to turn things in another direction, but they haven't gotten it for five weeks. Well, and I, again,
1: it tends to be one of these things where I do the inbox on Mondays and then we come in here on Tuesday mornings and, and sort of hash this thing out. And I, I, I recall something I said in an inbox as well, which is I don't care about the season right now. I don't care about the playoffs. I don't care about the future. It is all about win number four. Yeah. And it's about finding a win Four. I think it's been 37 days. The Packers have still been chasing that, that fourth win of the season. That's the emphasis right now. That's the focus. And they're going up against a really good D- Dallas Cowboys team this weekend. We'll preview it the, you know, later this week, but a team that, again, is coming off a bye, much like Buffalo was, yep. much like the mini-bye with Washington. This schedule has done the Packers no favors. There's been times where the calls have not done the Packers, the, the officials' calls have not done the Packers any favors. Yep. There's been adversity that has hit time and time again you can probably fill up a minute block here coming up discussing all the injuries the Packers had coming out of this game against the Lions. But one of the big things that Matt LaFleur always talks about, one of his big you know, lines is, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. That's where the Packers are. They're three and six. And when you look at this coin flip league and the the amount of parity in the National Football League, there are times where you're three and six. There's times when you're six and three. And you know Aaron Rodgers touched on it after the game. The Packers won a lot of one-score games early on, especially in 19 under Matt LaFleur in this year, those fortunes, those odds have not been in their favor so far.
0: Yeah, and this, this, uh, this game, once again, was another, another example, the epitome, if you will, of the self-inflicted wounds because the, inter- the interceptions were, um, were certainly the, the fault of Aaron Rodgers. The, um, and as much as on defense – the holding a Detroit team that had averaged nearly 36 points per game at home to 15 points, bottom line is that was a defensive performance that should have been good enough to win the game. So as I get into some of the things that went wrong with the defense, that needs to be out there first and foremost. The defense overall played well enough to win. But some of the same types of things that we've seen in previous weeks are still hurting this Packers defense. Even though they only gave up 15 points, they had opportunities to play even better. Jair Alexander had a great interception in the game, but earlier he had a, a totally undisciplined, un, you know, unnecessary roughness penalty that turned a 16-yard pass play into a 31-yard chunk play for the Lions, which led to a touchdown right before halftime. Third and 15. Keyshawn Nixon gets called for defensive holding, and instead of getting a stop right there in Detroit territory, Detroit goes on to score its other touchdown because of the reprieve there, a five-yard penalty on third and 15 that gives them an automatic first down, and the Packers can't get the stop. Late in the game, a second and 20. They take a check down throw over the middle. They're just trying to get a few yards to make it third and 12. And Chris Barnes gets called for a helmet hit and unfortunately then has to leave the game for a concussion evaluation. But then that 15-yard penalty extends the drive for the Lions. The Packers don't get it back then for their final drive until just a couple minutes left as opposed to having maybe four or four and a half minutes on the clock if they get a stop there off of the second and 20 situation. Those are the kinds of things that continue to happen to this team in this game on, on, on both sides of the ball and you don't need every single thing to go your way to win a game that ends up 15 to nine. But you can't have this many things that, that are nothing but your own fault, um, you know, the self-inflicted kind of stuff, and expect to win. And, and, and it's, what, it, it's what the Packers have to, as Matt LaFleur likes to say, win or lose, you have to hit the reset button. You have to start over. And that's what they'll do this week in preparing for Dallas, but some of but some of these lessons from week to week, you know, when things when things aren't changing, it's hard to know it's hard to know when it's going to.
1: Well, and this was the most probably maddening part of this thing for the Packers was that they played well despite a lot of injuries, a lot of departures. I mean, they go into this game without Devondra Campbell, so you know you have a, a rookie in Quay Walker who's relaying the calls, the Mike linebacker. They're rotating their inside backers. Isaiah McDuffie and Chris Barnes both played there. Eric Stokes leaves with an ankle and knee injury. That forces Rasul Douglas to come in. And as you talked about with Keyshawn Nixon getting the defensive holding, well, he's in the slot because they lost Stokes. You you lose, you know, Rashawn Gary to what appears to be a season-ending knee injury. Yeah. Kingsley and Igbari has the only sack for Green Bay in this game, but that gets wiped out because of the way that Goff's falling. His ha- his hand makes you know contact with his helmet. Yeah. It it is one of these situations where I, I thought in a lot of ways for the Packers defense, it you get done with that game, and it's fifteen points. You know, Jared Goff threw for one hundred thirty seven yards. Yeah, they Jamal. only had
0: they only had two hundred and fifty some yards, I think. Yeah, when they'd been they'd been a, as I said, four hundred yard, you know, thirty plus point team at home uh throughout the course of the year yeah and
1: Jamal Williams has 3.4 yards per carry the guy that had eight touchdowns a lot of red zone finishes wasn't able to punch in there's just so many little things in this game where the Packers did enough to win with their defense but they didn't get a pick six they didn't you know as as much as Jair Alexander tried uh on his you know 29 yard return off the interception that Goff you know, he had off golf nice play It's just been one of those kind of things. And Matt LaFleur I thought summed it up perfectly. When you give up fifteen points, you expect to win that football game and it just wasn't enough for Green Bay. And then it just at various points this season it just hasn't been quite enough. So where you go from here, I think a lot of it's gonna depend on what this, you know, injury report looks like on Wednesday. It sounds like they dodged a bullet with Aaron Jones, which is huge because during that final stretch at the end of the game they didn't have him available. Right. Um, you wonder how that potentially changes some of that two minute if if he's there because typically he's been the two minute running back. Um, you, you know, Christian Watson. Thankfully, it sounds like did not suffer a concussion. That was really scary for him. You know, I just talk about two unfortunate type scenarios that just play out in the game of football where this young man is in you know going to catch the ball gets the ball and there's you know guys crashing on him. Unfortunately looks like he might lose Dobbs here for a little bit. I, the the key for Matt LaFleur offense, defense, special teams is they're gonna need to get back in the building this week, get their confidence back after a game like that and and remind themselves that we lost to a pretty good Giants team. We lost to a pretty good Jets team that just you know took uh you yeah. know Buffalo to the woodshed. Washington, they lost, but I mean they've played better in Buffalo is Buffalo. This was the first one where I left the building, left Ford Field going. Yeah, you got to beat that team. Yeah. And and to close on my long-winded point there, Aaron Jones said it afterwards. They felt like they all played, you know, Detroit. But when you lose 15 to 9, it, it is what it is and for Dan Campbell's crew, that might have been a job saving, you know, performance for Campbell. You don't know yeah. right now and just a, a, a disheartening uh,
0: you know, loss. Yeah, well to crystallize or to to uh um to go over all of the injuries in, in one fell swoop here. The bad news is that it sounds like Rashawn Gary's season is over with the knee injury and it sounds like it could be a significant injury. It was announced as both knee and ankle injuries for second-year cornerback Eric Stokes. Matt LaFleur's update on Monday is they're still gathering some more information, running some tests there, so we'll see what the prognosis is on Stokes, but there's definitely a lot of concern there, and as you mentioned, uh, there wasn't really a, a specific update provided on Romeo Dobbs, but there are some outside media reports indicating that he's going to miss multiple weeks, um, not a um, not a serious or necessarily season-ending injury, but something that uh, that sounds like will keep him out. For multiple games, I mentioned Chris Barnes left the game for a concussion evaluation. Offensive line, we saw John Runyon leave the game, but then he came back in. David Bakhtiari left the game for a significant stretch in the second half. He came back in. So, once again, a lot of things on the offensive line in flux, not a lot of certainty there as the Packers are going to return to the practice field on Wednesday. The good news on the injury side of things, as you mentioned, is Aaron Jones, with his ankle injury, he was held out at the end of the game. It doesn't sound like, um, it, it sounds like he avoided anything significant, and Matt LaFleur did not rule out the possibility that he might be back and be able to play this week against the Cowboys. And then Christian Watson, we saw him take another big hit after a pass reception. He was removed from the game for a concussion evaluation. It turned out It was not a concussion it turned out he was not hit in the head what was determined is that he actually the 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 brunt of the shot that he took was actually to his chest and he staggered a little bit or you know um didn't look completely in control of his faculties, so to speak because the wind was knocked out of him but he was trying to stay on his feet instead Mm -hmm. of falling uh to the turf So he cleared everything with regard to head injury or uh, concussion concerns. But because of the concussion the previous week in Buffalo and that hit knocking the wind out of him um, in Detroit, he was held out for the rest of the game. The Packers taking the high side of caution there.
1: I have to, can I make a quick comment about that? Yeah. I get a kick out of the fans reaction to this too, because before that we're getting all these questions in the inbox. Hey, do the Packers need to shut him down for the season? Is this a long-term concern? Matt LaFleur goes to the podium at 3 PM on Monday and says, yep, not a concussion and immediately switched to, well, why wasn't he back in the game? Then? Yeah. Why didn't he play? <laughs> and I want to address this because yeah. it's not just about the Tua thing. Although I think that's probably the best example of this. A couple things to this one how many times, Mike, over the years have you and I covered football games where a guy passes the initial concussion protocol yeah. and then and, and not even comes back to the game, same situation as Watson, and then maybe a day or two later, you know, feels some effects? Right. I don't want to use specific names, but I can think of a couple right now, I think, over the last few years where that happened. So you want to make sure this kid's good at this moment, the next hour, the next day, especially with what happened in Buffalo. And two... The Packers. It, Christian Watson was good to go. He was cleared. Everything was fine. We saw him practice this past week. He looked great. But you you do th- when people are asking about, do you want to be careful with him? That was the Packers being careful with him yeah, in absolutely. that moment, making sure that this is a young man, second round draft pick, great prospect, but also a 22 year old kid. That you got to make sure that for his decision making, for his livelihood, he's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, and no matter how much he's standing there on the sideline yes. talking to the medical staff, saying, "I'm good, put me back in, I passed everything, put me back in the game," and the Packers are like, "No, we're not, we're not going to do that. They were going to take the high side of caution, even though he obviously could have been a huge factor down the stretch with uh, with the Packers getting into the red zone on the final possession and- of the game." and throwing four straight incomplete passes. Of course he could have made a difference. Of course Aaron Jones could have made a difference as well. But that's not how the Packers were going to go about it. And uh, and now it's, it's let's see where these guys are this week moving forward.
1: And, and you don't want that young man to have three bad hits then in two games. That's 100%. not great for optics either. So 100%. hopefully pulls through this week. Is available here for this game against Dallas because I'm telling you, Mike. If depending on what happens with Dobbs, they're not going to get Randall Cobb back this week. Yeah, they're going to need Christian Watson here during these next two months.
0: Yeah, and I'll give. I want to give a shout out here too while we're talking about injuries. Um, I know you were in the press box in Detroit. I was actually back here at the office covering the game, live blogging the game off of TV. And uh, um, but even off of the television broadcast, you could tell that Alan Lazard was absolutely gutting that game out yes. on the bad shoulder. He was. He was. He was giving it everything he had, and and quite frankly, I think the I think the shoulder played potentially played a factor in him not quite being able to haul in that fourth and three pass on uh, on the 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 seam shot there that was initially ruled a catch. Replay obviously showed that the ball scraped the ground, so it was uh, ruled incomplete and a turnover on downs. He did catch the the Packers' only touchdown pass of the game. Um, Al Lazard absolutely gutted it out in that game. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I just wanted to say that because for all of the injuries and everything and, and the list as we've gone through, it got ridiculous in this game. And over the course of this season, it's gotten ridiculous. And you just wonder, like, you know, when are, uh, you know, how how much, how many more times are, are these hits just going to keep coming in the health department? But it- uh, um, hopefully at, at some point here, the Packers are going to start to look like a healthier team. And,
1: and watching Allen, I know there was one instance where he left quickly, went and talked to the training staff early on, came back, he was fine. But he played 65 of the 74 snaps. And I think I basically had my eyes glued on every single time he went to the sideline. And I would say if there was nine plays he didn't play, at least eight of them. It wasn't that he was just going to the sideline, like sitting there waiting to go back in. It was him like on one knee. With water, getting himself back. I mean, he, that guy, 88% of the snaps, I mean, shoulder, everything. I mean, he. He put it all out there, four catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. The Green Bay Packers needed him.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Um, A little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Serious XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, taking a look at other things that happened around Week 9 in the NFL, you mentioned we don't have the next opponent uh, to talk about their most recent game because the Cowboys were uh, uh, were on a bye week. Um, we had talked last Thursday in previewing Week 9 about the Jets against Buffalo and whether some sort of a statement might be made there by the New York Jets who were yeah. adjusting to life without Brees Hall, their star young running back. And lo and behold, the Jets came from behind uh, late in the game to knock off the Buffalo Bills, and suddenly the AFC East is uh, um, is really anybody's division to yeah. win. With Buffalo now taking a, a second loss on the year, um, the Minnesota Vikings they win their sixth consecutive one-score game. They are now seven and one. Um, and I'll 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 say this: I give I give a lot of credit for what the Vikings have done. Kevin O'Connell, the the culture that he's obviously trying to build, to build and create there. What the Vikings are doing is so reminiscent to me of Matt LaFleur's first season here in Green Bay in 2019, Kevin O'Connell's first season in Green Bay or in, in Minnesota in 2022. It's so similar. It's it's winning the close games and it's doing so by consistently weekly, game after game, being the better team in the fourth quarter. Yeah, That was the definition of the Green Bay Packers in 2019, that they ended up a 13-win team that was not a juggernaut by any means because they, they didn't blow out and dominate people. But the Green Bay Packers in 2019 were the better team in the fourth quarter almost every single week along the way to those 13 wins, and that is exactly... What the Minnesota Vikings are doing and uh, and the culture that Kevin O'Connell is creating early on his tenure in Minneapolis.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I look at this game and you know Delvin Cook had 17 carries for 47 yards. Um, Andrew Madison, Alexander Madison, excuse me, uh, two carries for one yard. This game ultimately kind of at the end went on the shoulders of Kirk Cousins. And Cousins is a really interesting quarterback because he's had these moments. I know people talked about the primetime games for a while and things, but. When he's locked in and especially with the, the you know, the bond and chemistry he's formed with, you know, Justin Jefferson and being able to make quick utilization of T J. Hawkinson in this game, he can win you ball games and he can win you ball games late. And I, I think that whatever this relationship is with O'Connell or whatever they've kind of hit on here, uh, it's worked. And it will be really interesting to see them face, you know, an elite you know well above 500 team here at some point but the other thing about that 2019 season is the packers were coming off a pretty bad 2018 season the schedule allows you to see some of that what people would perceive to be lesser competition yeah that's the position the vikings have been in this season and they've made the most of it while beating the teams that i think earlier in the season you maybe not necessarily had them pinned down to beat
0: yeah and interestingly we'll see as this week develops because you mentioned Minnesota facing you know one of the what will happen when they face one of the elite teams in the league with their quarterback. Their 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 only law their only loss is to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the only undefeated team in the league, and now they are getting ready to face the buffalo bills this week but there are all kinds of questions about josh allen and his elbow and whether he whether he will be able to play or not or will he be at full strength or not and again reminiscent of 2019 when the packers had to go on the road to face the kansas city chiefs but patrick mahomes missed the game and the packers got a big win and kept you know kept things rolling there in the middle of the season that's the way that's the way this league can work sometimes and the vikings are taking advantage of everything. You mentioned Cousins in the fourth quarter. I take nothing away obviously from what he's done. When you're in when you're in tight games, whether you're losing, tie game, you need to put together those drives. But Minnesota's defense has also come up yep. big in the fourth quarter time and time again. Being the better team in the fourth quarter means doing it on both sides yep. of the ball to be able to win those close games and that's what the Vikings are doing. Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, sort of a quasi-season saving comeback for them against the Los Angeles Rams the Buccaneers now four and five last year's Super Bowl champs now three and five and uh and as we had talked last week um the game of the week in the NFL in week nine was the Sunday night matchup with Kansas City at t- against Tennessee and it turned into one of those um very entertaining matchups from the standpoint of the Tennessee Titans could only run the ball and couldn't yeah. throw it and the Kansas City Chiefs just refuse to run the ball and put the whole game in in, in on uh, Patrick Mahomes' right arm. The pass attempts versus the, the the run attempts, you know, for the other team, statistically one of those one of those crazy ones, and it ends up going to overtime. And the Kansas City Chiefs pull it out. And you know, I just wonder from the ups and downs we've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs if a win like that under the lights at home against a team that they've seen plenty. Uh, you know, here in recent years and, and got taken to the wire by them, maybe this is where where Kansas City starts to uh, starts to make that second-half run.
1: Well, because they came back from basically the, the win condition that Tennessee looks for, which is punching you in the mouth with Derrick Henry and control controlling time of possession, controlling the tempo. T- Titans did that, giving up nine points in the first half, but, I mean, Derrick Henry owned that game, and they came out in the second half and, and dictated the tempo and showed again that if you need to – you can just put this thing entirely on Patrick Mahomes, and he's going to step up for you. Overall, though, I, w- I want to just mention this before we go out. The Packers are still trying to claw their way back into this, and I said they need to win a game here before we talk about anything else, but AFC did the Packers a lot of favors in this week. 0-4 on Sunday, the NFC was in those crossover games, including the Bears losing that shootout to the, to the Dolphins. Right. So Still all out there for Green Bay. You got to get a win. You got to rally. And you're going to need to start beating some teams that nobody expects you to beat. But
0: this is go time. Yeah, absolutely. The Packers, as we said, two two home games, two home games in five days. But they're probably going to be underdogs in both of them, based on the three and six record and facing two teams that are in the playoff hunt. But uh, we'll talk more about that matchup with the Cowboys on our next show. For now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on packers.com day after day, we've got everything for you. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in everybody. We'll see you next time.